Welcome to the Worship Podcast for Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector. This is Good Friday, April 15th, 2022. Thanks for listening. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The first autobiography in English is by a woman named Marjorie Kemp, who lived in the 15th century. Marjorie was a mystic, and her book, which she dictated because she was illiterate, is largely a record of her many pilgrimages to Jerusalem and other holy places and the encounters she had along the way. Her spiritual experiences were often quite intense and sometimes disruptive to those who happened to be around her. One day, Marjorie contemplated a piatta, an image of Mary holding the crucified Jesus in her arms. The sight of the piatta moved her to tears. Speaking of herself in the third person, she writes, she was compelled to cry out very loudly and weep very bitterly as though she would have died. Then the lady's priest came to her saying, woman, Jesus is long since dead. When her crying had ceased, she said to her priest, Sir, his death is as fresh to me as if he had died the same day. And so I think it ought to be to you and to all Christian people. We ought always to remember his kindness and always think of the doleful death that he died for us. Good Friday is the day when we forget that Jesus is long since dead. Through our participation in worship, our prayers and meditations, Jesus' death becomes fresh for us. This day becomes the day when Christ died, a political prisoner, mocked and spit on, tortured, betrayed by his closest friends. This is the day when we remember that the cross that we see in our churches, that we wear as jewelry, beautifully decorated and stylized, the cross that we treat with respect was an instrument of torture and public humiliation with a brutalized body nailed to it, covered in human blood. This is the day when we do not look away from that. Through much of the rest of the year, we behave towards the cross, much like Marjorie Kemp's priest. And it's hard to blame him, isn't it? We have other work to do in the church, work of reaching out, of gathering together, giving food, clothing, and shelter to those who need it, working for justice in our communities, doing the work of praising God for the goodness of creation, deepening our relationship with God through study and prayer and fellowship. We can't just be weeping over the terrible sadness of the cross all the time. Someone like Marjorie Kemp would be disruptive, even in our parish. But today is one of the days when we let ourselves be disrupted, when we see Jesus' death as fresh, when we feel grief for his profound suffering and for our profound sinfulness and the brokenness of the world. Today is a day of mourning. Today is also 
a profoundly important day for our personal theology. It's difficult, if not impossible, to talk about who Jesus is in your life without coming to terms with the cross. What does Jesus' death and resurrection mean for us as Christians, as believers, as skeptics, as seekers, as people yearning to know God? If we yearn to know God, we need to think about theology, which is asking, who is God? Who are we in relationship to God? Who is Jesus, and why did he die in this way? What kind of God allowed this to happen? Couldn't there have been another road to resurrection, one that didn't go by Golgotha? It's every Christian's responsibility to come to terms with these questions, not to solve them, because we know that ultimately the death and resurrection of our Lord and our participation in these events are mysteries that cannot be solved. We do not need to and cannot solve these mysteries, but we need to explore them, to wrestle with them, to plumb their depths. And this is how we grow to maturity in Christ. The difficulty of facing the cross and of facing our crucified Lord is why we're a much smaller assembly tonight than we'll gather on Easter Sunday. Another 15th century English writer, Thomas Akempis, in his classic book, The Imitation of Christ, confirms that it was ever thus. It's taken me a long time to pick up Thomas Akempis without putting him right back down again. But lately I've come to appreciate him more. And what used to seem so negative from him now to me uh, seems just mostly honest. He writes, Jesus today has many lovers of his heavenly kingdom, but few of them carry his cross. He has many friends who ask for consolation, but few who pray for affliction. He has many companions to share his meals, but few to share his abstinence. We all want to rejoice with him, but few of us are willing to suffer anything for his sake. Many follow Jesus up to the breaking of the bread, but few go on the drinking of the chalice of his passion. Many admire his miracles, but few follow in the ignominy of the cross. Many love Jesus as long as adversity does not touch them, and many praise and bless him as long as they receive consolation from him. But if he should hide himself and leave them for even a brief period, they begin to complain and fall into severe depression. But those who love Jesus for Jesus' sake and not for any reason of their own, praise him in every affliction and anguish of heart just as they do in moments of great consolation. Powerful is that pure love for Jesus that is not tainted by self-love and has no admixture of self-interest. If Thomas Akempis were a gentler writer, he might say that we cannot truly be friends with Jesus if we don't go with him to the cross and bear witness to his passion. We can't enjoy the fruits of our redemption without contemplating the tree from which that redemption came. Part of the great and terrible mystery of the cross is that it was the instrument through which Jesus reached out to us in friendship, 
through the sacrifice of his life. The idea of friendship with Jesus is a key concern in the Gospel of John. No one has greater love than this, Jesus says, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus' friendship with us required him to empty himself in becoming human, to be despised and humiliated, to see his followers scattered, to suffer pain and death. Our friendship with him also involves emptying ourselves. Another difficult but honest writer, the late poet Franz Wright, wrote, What is the meaning of kindness? Speak and listen to others from now on as if they had recently died. At the core, the seen and unseen worlds are one. Each and every person is finite and fallible and worthy of great love and sacrifice. There's perhaps easier ways to learn that, but I think the cross is our best teacher of that. So on this solemn and holy day, may the memory of Christ's passion be fresh and tender in our hearts. May our friendship with Christ be deep and true and bear fruit of blessing far beyond ourselves. May we meet him both here at the cross and with joy on the day of resurrection, his and ours. In God's name, amen.